0: Just ahead on Bob's World, Vermont's Governor Scott wraps up the vaccination schedule for all Vermonters over the next few weeks. Officials in New York City say a 22-year-old attempted murder suspect who was mistakenly released from Rikers Island due to a clerical error is back in custody. A sunny but cold Friday in northeast Vermont, but we've got much warmer over the weekend. We could hit 60 by Sunday. The Newport Daily Express sports editor, Mike Olmstead, joins us as usual on a Friday. The Friday edition of Bob's World is next.
1: I decided as the numbers kept going higher and higher on the scale that I couldn't do it alone.
2: When I was 350
3: pounds, I was pretty much a shut in. I call it my lost decade.
1: TOPS gives you all the tools and the support is huge.
3: TOPS is really fantastic.
1: I've lost 77.25 pounds with the help of TOPS.
3: 125 pounds. 78
2: pounds. You can do it. TOPS can help. Visit a meeting free. Learn more at TOPS.org. That's T-O-P-S dot O-R-G. It is absolutely going to change your life. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you, or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: This is Bob's World, Friday, March 19th, 2021. Good afternoon, I'm Bob Welch, and here's what's happening across the Great Northeast. All adult Vermonters will be eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine by April 19th, Governor Phil Scott announced today. Appointments will open on a staggered basis for people in different age groups over the next five weeks. VT Digger reports Scott laid out the following schedule today. Thursday, March 25th, 60 and older. Monday, March 29th, 50 and older. Monday, April 5th, 40 and older. Monday, April 12th, 30 and older. And then Monday, April 19th, 16 years of age and older. Scott said this new schedule would lead to more people who want to be vaccinated getting both doses around June, on track for a return to normalcy by the 4th of July. More than a small cookout with friends and family, he said. As of Friday, about 30 percent of Vermonters 16 and older have been receiving at least one dose of the vaccine. The state has been ramping up its clinic schedule with National Guard members and new infrastructure for large clinics, said Mike Smith, secretary of the Agency of Human Services. The ability to hit vaccine targets is still dependent on Vermont receiving the right allocation from manufacturers via the federal government. The state does not know the fine details of what it will receive beyond the next three weeks, but the White House hopes to provide better estimates in the future. President Joe Biden has ordered states to be open for vaccination appointments to all adults in the U.S. by May 1st. By setting this schedule, Vermont appears to be exceeding that target. Dr. Mark Levine Commissioner of the Department of Health said everyone is going to be enjoying more freedoms this spring, but cautioned that the spread of variants in Vermont means that residents may have to maintain social distancing for a little bit longer. Officials say a 22-year-old attempted murder suspect who was mistakenly released from Rikers Island due to a clerical error is back in custody. New York radio station 1010 Ten Winds reports: Nikki Meekins returned to jail at midnight, accompanied with his lawyer Lucian Chelfin. Meekins was arrested March 10 after two incidents, including a non-fatal shooting, in which he charged, which he was charged with attempted murder, and was supposed to be held on $300,000 bond or a th- or $100,000 bail, but was mistakenly released Monday from Rikers Island because of a paperwork error. A court spokesperson said Meekins had a court appearance Monday for that incident and a gun case and that he also has a pending felony indictment in Supreme Court for which he had already posted bail. He was set loose by Rikers Island officials Monday evening after a Bronx criminal court clerk mistakenly marked him for release without bail. New York City schools will adopt new federal recommendations that require only three feet of space between students in elementary school buildings and allow the families of young students another chance to opt in to in-person classes. New York's Mayor Bill de Blasio and New York City Schools Chancellor Meisha Porter said preschools and elementary schools will begin operating under the three-feet rule in April. The New York Daily News reports families enrolled in all remote classes will be able to indicate that they want to switch into in-person classes starting next week, though only younger students will be able to return in April. The Centers for Disease Control updated its school safety guidance this morning, suggesting elementary schools need to maintain only three feet between students, even in areas with high community spread of the virus. Middle and high schools should stick to six feet, unless they guarantee kids and teachers stay in groups. Up north, two Montreal cats are the first felines confirmed to have contracted COVID-19 in the city. Researchers from the Université de Montréal's Veterinarian Department made the discovery after a study launched in January. Lead researcher Cecile Anahechlin said that they were most probably infected by their owners who had confirmed infection with COVID. The study was launched to analyze the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection in cats living with a pet owner who contracted the novel coronavirus. CTV Montreal Channel 12 reports the cats were recruited from around 30 different households in Greater Montreal in collaboration with public health authorities. The study's goal is to estimate the proportion of cats infected with COVID-19 in households where at least one person contracted the virus and determined whether these infections in cats are rare or frequent events. The study also looked at the characteristics of COVID-19 infection in cats and the factors that might influence the risk of infection for the animals. Amy Shainslin, added that uh, there are no reported cases of human infections from their cat and the cats with a positive test had a low quantity of virus in their samples. Researchers cannot rule out the possibility of cat-to-human transmission, but they feel the risk is low. Health Canada reminds pet owners who have tested positive for COVID-19 to avoid letting pets lick you, snuggling or kissing them, sharing food with them, letting them sit on your lap, or letting them sleep in your bed. In addition, it is recommended to wear a mask at all times while near your animal if you're infected and to keep your pet away from people and animals outside the household. Mike Olmstead is next on Bob's World.
1: As the COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may be asking yourself, should I get it? Will it help me get back to doing the things I love, like meeting friends or traveling? And can I do it without putting my family at risk? You've got questions. That's normal. So visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for the latest information on the COVID-19 vaccines. Getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. It's up to you. A message brought to you by the Ad Council and the CDC.
3: We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not.
1: Bye, dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, remind me about that party again.
3: And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
0: It is a Friday on Bob's world, and uh, hi there, Mike Olmstead. Bob, how are you now? Pretty good. Uh, I should preface this as we always do. The sports editor of the Newport Daily Express, Mike Homestead, uh, and uh, you have, as such, in your capacity as that, you have some updates for us uh, with regards to high school sports. So,
3: yeah, so we are uh, we are in the thick of the postseason, I guess you could say. Um, the Nordic State Championships happened last week, and I'm pleased to say uh, North Country's Jack Young, for the second time in as many years, swept both a freestyle and classic portions of the uh, championship races. So he is, uh, the uh, once again, the individual state Nordic Voice champion. We just had the uh, Snowboarding State Championships up here at Jay Peak. And the North Country Girls, once again, repeated as the team state championship uh, winners. And Haley Goff, uh, Goff, I should say, not Goff, um, is once again the individual winner as well. So that's her second time in a row. And um, some unfortunate news, the Kingdom Blades were getting ready to start their postseason run. But due to the fact they were in contact with uh, MVU, who pulled out of the playoffs across the board, uh, they were considered a COVID contact and had to withdraw from the postseason. So that was uh, pretty unfortunate for them. Uh, the Lennon Institute team, which uh, was also in a COVID quarantine just a couple of weeks ago, they played their uh, opening round game against Middlebury and fell short to the Tigers by the score of 3-1. to one. So uh, their season's over. Um, the North Country girls basketball team—they uh, oh, that was a tough game to watch. Uh, you, you know, you, you got to feel for the Mill River girls. They came up, they tried their best, and um, even with North Country, you know, taking the foot off the gas, the finale was still sixty-six to six. So that was a tough one. Um, Lake Region boys—they fell sixty-one to thirty-one to Fairhaven on Wednesday night. And uh, tonight, the North Country boys, undefeated at seven and zero in Division Two, will kick off their season against Woodstock, who won a play-in game against Mill River. So, I don't think that one will be very close. But you know, that's why they play these games, because you know, BFA Fairfax just came off a huge upset over in Division Three. So, I mean, anything goes. And then uh, tomorrow afternoon, both the Lake Region and North Country. Girls basketball teams will be in action, and for Lake Region, that will be their first game of the season against Otter Valley, which I see them winning. So um, it's a very busy time in Vermont high school sports.
0: Yes, it is, and uh, we we are. I just saw this within the hour, so maybe you have not seen this. Maybe you have. <laughs> the National Hockey League announced today that as a result of, and I am reading verbatim the press release. Uh, The NHL has announced today that as a result of four additional Boston Bruins players entering the NHL's COVID protocols earlier today, the team's games tomorrow against the Buffalo Sabres and Tuesday versus the New York Islanders will be postponed. Pending test results in the coming days, it is expected that the Bruins will be able to reopen their facilities for practice Wednesday, March 24th. So the season for the Bruins is... They, they just hit the pause button on it for well a while
3: you're breaking news to me on that one bob i've been uh i've been out running around i had to run and uh, pick up my daughter from school we uh, grabbed a pizza put a little gas in the car and so i got home and uh took care of a few quick chores and called you and so i hadn't seen that news about boston yet but you know it's it's like it was in baseball, you know? I mean, just about everybody gets hit at some point or another, except for, and I'm not sure if this is still true, if Montreal and Calgary are the only two teams that have not had a player go into COVID protocol yet.
0: Well, you know that uh, the, the, the Canadian standard for these things uh, countrywide, let alone sports, has been a little bit tighter, and so maybe that is uh, part of it. But um, yeah, uh, well, as, as you probably know,
3: that uh, Quebec's been under a curfew.
0: Yes, they have.
3: And you know, obviously, our you know we're right next to the border, and we actually print our paper in Quebec. For those of you that were interested as to where the Newport Daily Express is printed on a nightly basis. So we have uh, an employee that drives up to Sherbrooke every night and it's, I mean, the whole crossing the border thing was strict enough, but now we have someone going through during these uh, quarantine hours and the roads are bare. He says, there is nobody out there. And Bob, you watch hockey night in Canada like I do. And I'm sure you've seen those shots of downtown Montreal and there isn't a soul out on the streets whatsoever. It's, uh, it's eerily reminiscent of uh, the early stages of this COVID uh, pandemic, down say, in New York City or Boston.
0: Yeah, I've seen a couple of photos uh, of uh, New York City, Manhattan, after, you know, 10.30 at night or something. <laughs> and uh, it's an eerily similar picture where you go, hey, wait a minute, this is Times Square. Where is everybody? You know, you have live cams that that are streaming on YouTube continuously from Times Square. Anybody can look at them at any hour of the day or night, and mm-hmm. it's with that 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 that's my barometer of how things are gradually, gradually coming back to life. You know, the the daytime shots are starting to look normal, uh, but the nighttime shots—it's like they rolled the sidewalks up. So wow. <laughs> we're still <laughs> not quite there
3: yet. Uh, Verna- no, no, we are definitely not quite there yet, but we're getting there.
0: Yeah, we are getting there, and it uh, uh, looks like uh, uh, yeah, uh, it looks like Jake Allen's going to be starting a goal against Vancouver for the Canadians. You had you had mentioned the Canadians a moment ago, so there's that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, he's been a really good pickup
3: for yep. them. I mean, I don't think he's had what you would truly call a bad game. You know, like the Flyers had against the Rangers the other night when they lost nine to nothing with the the Rangers' entire coaching staff in COVID protocol. I mean, how the coaches all had to go into protocol for the Rangers, but none of the players did is is amazing.
1: Yeah. But
3: I don't I don't know. Maybe is that well, you know. Is that the wake-up call that a team needs? Like when, literally, the the AHL affiliate Hartford uh, Wolfpacks coaches came up, coached the team, and
0: and and, and they won nine nothing.
3: So I mean, that it, that could it, be
0: your wake-up call. That could be a wake-up call. I would think that would be a wake-up call. Yeah, the guys from the farm but, team are showing up. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right bob
3: uh we got to to record a performance here for uh virtual history night so i am unfortunately going to have to cut this short but last thing i want to say is holy crap are the patriots making some moves oh yeah i am i have never seen bill belichick
0: open up the pocketbook like that in since he's been there yeah I'm um, um, among the many uh uh, so some fellow named Raquan McMillan signed to a one-year deal. I, I just see Annette uh, come across. Uh, the, got the Boston Globe's webpage up. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, then there's so many. There's so many. There, there's no way we could mention them all.
3: Uh, <laughs> just to put it in perspective, and I'll get out of your hair on this note, in the last 10 years, not including this preseason or off season, the Patriots have spent, give or take, $200 million in free agency. This year alone, they are over one hundred and thirty-seven or one hundred thirty-seven million dollars in free agency signings. So,
0: it's amazing. It's amazing. Hell
3: half no fury like Bill Belichick scorned.
0: So it's NewportVermontDailyExpress.com. dot Your website, yes, sir. And Mike Olmstead, yeah. And, and uh, you are, of course, the sports editor for the Newport Daily Express, and uh, as we do every Friday. Uh, thank you uh, for joining me again, and uh, have a good weekend.
3: Bob, it's always a pleasure to talk, and uh,
0: maybe next week we'll uh, talk a little more food, eh? <laughs> okay, sounds like a plan. Have a great night.
2: A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council.
0: Friday, March the 19th, it is. Welcome back to Bob's World, the 78th day of 2021, with 287 days left in the year. Actress Renee Taylor is 88. Ursula Andres is 85. Singer Clarence Frogman Henry is eighty-four. Ruth Pointer of the Pointer Sisters is seventy-five. We'll be hearing from them in a moment. Glenn Close is seventy-four. Bruce Willis is sixty-six. Actor comedian Mary Scheer is fifty-eight. Playwright Neil Labute is fifty-eight years old. Actor Connor Trinneer is fifty-two. Gert Bettens of K's Choice is 51. Jimmy Eats World's Zach Lind is 45. And Major League Baseball pitcher Clayton Kershaw is 33. Released by their Planet label on April 11, 1984, is the third single from their 10th studio album, Breakout, from 1983. Here are the Pointer Sisters in Jump. afternoon 1931 nevada's governor frank b salzar let's try that again frank b Balzar signed a measure legalizing casino gambling 1942 world war ii president fdr ordered men between the ages of 45 and 64 inclusive to register for non-military duty 1945 720 Four people were killed when a Japanese dive bomber attacked the carrier USS Franklin off Japan. The ship was saved. Adolf Hitler ordered the destruction of German facilities that could fall into allied hands in his so-called Nero Decree, which was largely disregarded. 1962, Bob Dylan's first album, titled Bob Dylan, was released by Columbia Records. 1966, the Texas Western Miners defeated the heavily favored Kentucky Wildcats, 72-65, To win the NCAA championship played in College Park, Maryland, making the contest especially noteworthy was that Texas Western became the first basketball team to start five black players in a national title game as it faced an all-white Kentucky squad. 1977, the series finale of the Mary Tyler Moore Show aired on CBS television, ending the sitcom's seven-season run. In 79, the U.S. House of Representatives began televising its floor proceedings. The live feed was carried by C-SPAN, the cable satellite public affairs network, which was making its debut. In 87, televangelist Jim Baker resigned as chairman of his PTL ministry organization amid a sex and money scandal involving Jessica Hahn, a former church secretary. In 1991, Polish President Lech Walesa, arrived in Washington for his first state visit to the U.S. 1993, Supreme Court Justice Byron R. White announced plans to retire. White's departure paved the way for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to become the court's second female justice. 2003, President George W. Bush ordered the start of war against Iraq. Because of the time difference, it was early March 20, over there. In 2011, the U.S. fired more than 100 cruise missiles from the sea while French fighter jets targeted Muammar Gaddafi's forces from the air, launching the broadest international military effort since the Iraq war in support of an uprising. President Barack Obama arrived in Brazil for the start of a three-country, five-day tour of Latin America on that same day and year. 2013, Pope Francis officially began his ministry as the 266th pope receiving the rings symbolizing the papacy and a wool stole exemplifying his role as shepherd of his 1.2 billion strong flock during mass at the vatican in 2014 toyota agreed to pay 1.2 billion dollars to settle an investigation by the u.s government admitting that it had hidden information about defects that caused Toyota and Lexus vehicles to accelerate unexpectedly, resulting in injuries and deaths. Here's Bob Dylan from 1962 and that first album, Blow It in the Wind.
4: How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind
0: bob dylan from 1962 and that first album blowing in the wind finally Well, with apologies to Larry Lujak and Tommy Edwards. (laughs) Here we
1: are again, the animal stories. (laughs) News team, Anchorman. Mm -hmm. Here's me, your charming and delightful old Uncle Lair. And there's him, in person. Hi. Little snut nosed Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Hi, Uncle Lair.
0: (laughs) With apologies to them. From Chicago's WLS, these are some animal stories on this Friday afternoon. Professional tree climber was summoned to a Michigan park and climbed nearly 50 for a tree to rescue a stranded cat. Robin Walenga, an animal advocate and rescuer in Grand Rapids, said a member of the public reported a cat was stranded nearly 50 feet off the ground in the high branches of a tree in Richmond Park, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Walenga called Eric... Eric Baker of Tip Top Tree Care, who's helped her with three rescues in the past. Baker used a rope mechanism to scale the tree and reach the stranded cat. He uh, told WXMI-TV that we use mechanical extenders. His words, I use one that's attached to my right foot, then I use a knee extender that's spring-loaded, and those are friction devices, so they will move one direction on the rope. So as I step up and then put pressure down, it locks on the rope and allows me to walk up the rope like I would go up a ladder. He said the rescue took about 30 minutes he adds that I had a full conversation with the cat. We went back and forth a little while. Walenga posted photos and video from the rescue to Facebook. Walenga wrote a huge thank you to Eric Baker and Tip Top Tree Care for his amazing climbing skills and for saving the cat. Walenga said the cat has been placed in a foster home while the rescuers try to determine whether it was a stray or an escaped pet. Police in Britain say... Officers were dispatched to help members of the public capture an escaped goat that was spotted chasing vehicles and joggers on a busy road. The Derbyshire Constabulary's Safer Neighborhood Policing Team from Melbourne and surrounding areas said police were contacted around 11.35 in the morning yesterday about a loose goat chasing cars and joggers on Swalkstone Road in Weston-on-Trent, England. Members of the public helped the first officer on the scene grab the goat and hold it by the horns. Until a second officer arrived, helped transport the animal. That must have been a moment to see. Hey, officer, I'm going to go and (laughs) grab this goat by the horns and hope he doesn't go and run off with me and get hold of the whole situation. Police say the officers were able to identify the goat's owner, and the animal was safely returned to its enclosure. Police say in a Facebook post on a serious note: If you do have any livestock or pets, it is your responsibility as an owner to make sure you keep them under control at all times and secured accordingly. An Ohio police officer responded to a resident's home in the Buckeye state to remove a raccoon found sleeping in the dishwasher after it broke in through a bathroom light and ransacked the kitchen. Police in North Ridgeville, Ohio say the masked bandit broke into the home, trashed the kitchen, took a well-deserved nap in the home's dishwasher where it was found by a resident, Patrolman John Metzgo, Nicknamed the department's absurd animal call officer. So apparently they get these calls frequently enough for him to get this nickname. They called him after previous encounters with a kangaroo and a cow. Responded to the home to remove the invading raccoon. The raccoon was safely removed from the home without any injury. I'm sure I'll be getting a All the regular shots, just in case. And that is the Friday, March 19th edition of Bob's World. You can tweet me, Bob Welch, N-E-N-Y, or use our feedback phone at area code 802-467-0212 with the caveat that your voice may be used on an upcoming podcast if you so do so. I'm Bob Welch. Thanks for listening.